Charles Woodson, Desmond Howard, Denard Robinson, Timonga Bianca Batuka, from Yost to Arbaugh, passed down from generation to generation, Michigan football has stood the test of time. What's that feeling you get when you catch your first glimpse of the big house? When you hear, and take the field. When you see the team emerge from the tunnel, sprint across the field, and touch that famed M-Go Blue banner. Saturdays in the fall, tailgates with friends and family, favorite players, favorite teams, and unforgettable moments. A lifetime of memories. College football in 2020 may be unique, but it has arrived at the corner of Stadium and Main, which is where you can find Michael Spath and Justin Rowe sharing their analysis, their stories, and their emotions about this year's Wolverine. This is the Stadium and Main podcast. Presented by Kapnick Insurance Group, Wolverine State Brewing Company, and Lewis Jewelers. Welcome to the Stadium in Maine podcast. I am Justin Rowe, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Spath. And Mike, it's game week again for Michigan uh, for the first time in, what, three weeks now? So Michigan has landed on Iowa on Saturday night, um, heading to Kinnick Stadium, which Michigan and a lot of people uh, have not fared well going into Kinnick at night uh, throughout the years. So um, how are you feeling this game week? But we're back a little bit. Yeah, we are back a little bit. I mean, I guess until we, we physically uh, get to Saturday and, and see that game being played, um, we always kind of have to, I don't want to say take it with the old, you know, cliched grain of salt, but uh, you know, Michigan has had each of the last two games canceled due to, to COVID positive tests and, and contact tracing. Uh, and, and, you know, where are they right now? Well, it, it's interesting to, to talk about that, Justin, because you know and I know the controversy that erupted. Uh, we're taping this on Monday afternoon and uh, just about three and a half, four hours ago, uh, Jim Harbaugh had his uh, Monday press conference. And while I've been a critic of of Jim Harbaugh uh, in the past. And certainly I think his, his press conferences are some of the most bland, vanilla, boring um, conversations you'll ever have with a head coach. I also know that anytime he says anything, it gets turned into uh, a, a big story. And so the, what, what comment did he say today that got turned into a big story? Well, he was asked about his team practicing and he said, yeah, we, we had a practice on Sunday. Uh, it was spirited. It was energetic. The guys were excited. And so what did that lead? It led to everybody going, whoa, whoa, hold on a second. How did you practice on Sunday when you didn't play on Saturday? You canceled the Ohio State game because you, you didn't have enough guys. And now you're having a full team practice on Sunday. On Sunday, what is that? And so people jumped on that. And then you had what, what is kind of the, the headline for today's podcast, a, a picture tells a thousand words or does it. Uh, Justin, explain a little bit about this picture that's making the rounds on Twitter and what, what the argument, the, the claim is that it proves. So the, the, after, the, um, after everything happened with the press conference today and Harbaugh came out and said that, and uh, this picture goes around and it's from the overpass uh, that shows where you can see Michigan's practice field. Uh, in Ann Arbor. And uh, what it shows is a picture of them 
scrimmaging or doing something. The team is out there. But there's only, from what I counted, about 26 players on the field. And so everybody jumped on that as a complete fact and, and used it towards whatever narrative they wanted. And most of the narratives were, well, see Ohio State fans, see Ohio State. Michigan was only practicing with 26 guys. How, how could they ever have practiced or how could they have ever played a game on Saturday? How are they even going to play a game this week? Um, but in the reality, it's who knows where the rest of the team was. Maybe they were quarantined at home. That's a, that's a possibility for sure. But also they may have been indoors doing other drills or scrimmaging with other things. Or maybe they're working out in the weight room. Maybe things are are they're keeping everybody kind of separate, not gathering the entire team, but keeping them in groups of 20 to 25 guys so that um, they can help with the contact tracing. So it's just kind of, uh, it's one of those things, like we said earlier, it's, uh, you know, that is the quintessential Twitter. It's a quintessential Mm -hmm. social media of 2020 of everything. You see one picture that nobody knows who it's from. Nobody knows where it's from. uh, But that apparently is the truth. And it's, complete facts and it tells the whole story where in reality it doesn't tell us much of anything at all no and in fact when we were before we before we uh, jumped on this podcast um you know you said to me like would they even practice with 26 guys like how would that make any sense whatsoever if you're going to have if you have a game uh less than seven days away now would you get together with 26 guys and try to have a full team practice and the answer is no of course not you would not have um a practice with 26 players and so uh, the idea that this is the whole team, um, it, it captured in that in that over that overpass shot by what we assume is a fan um, with no context to it. No, that's ridiculous. It's 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 a you have an overreaction to what Jim Harbaugh says in his press conference uh, that they had a spirited, energetic practice where people are now saying like, well, how can you have a practice if you didn't play the game before? That's an overreaction. And likewise, the, the, the Jim Harbaugh mafia that then shows up and says, well, this is proof right here that they, they, you know, they don't have enough guys. That's an overreaction because you know, all it takes is two seconds of deductive reasoning to say this photo proves nothing. This photo mean, means nothing uh, without significant context. As you mentioned, like, were they in Glick? Were they on an adjacent field? Were they inside the weight room? Were they in team meeting rooms? Like all that different stuff. And so at the end of the day, Justin, I mean, we're going to know in a couple of days. Uh, I, I would imagine that by Wednesday, uh, there's no way that, that Michigan and the Big Ten would be proceeding uh, with uh, talk of a game against Iowa on Saturday if um, they're not planning on playing. And, and I, don't even, I don't even think that they announced this game with Iowa. Uh, the Big Ten announces this matchup for Michigan-Iowa unless they felt really, really good um, about Michigan playing. Now, certainly they had to announce 14 uh, – they had announced seven games, all 14 teams playing, um, but there's no reason to put it in prime time, uh, to put it at 7 p.m., which is a, which is a perfect uh, time slot uh, to, to draw ratings, even up against the – I would believe is the SEC championship. Um, there's no reason to put Michigan in that spot if you don't think they're going to play. And so I would really – I really do think uh, we'll see the Wolverines against the Hawkeyes 7 p.m. Saturday night. Uh, and, and Justin, I guess before I get into a little bit of how I was told this matchup uh, unfolded, uh, you know, now that we know it, uh, and we did talk about this on our Sunday podcast with Will Heininger, the appetite for it, has it changed in the last 24 hours for you because you knew uh, for a fact that they were going to play this game? 
Not really, honestly. Um, you know, after I watched the Michigan basketball game yesterday, and they played pretty well, um, but not uh, not great down the stretch. But um, I one thing I've learned: it, rule number one for Big Ten basketball is be happy with any win in the Big Ten because an ugly win in the Big Ten is still a win, and you know, going in and out of that, um, it's it can be like that. So after watching that, I'm still kind of transitioned to basketball mode, and so now here that they are, are playing Iowa this week this weekend um, it's tough because the matchup doesn't bode well for Michigan Iowa has been playing really well they they've won six straight um, they have been dominating in a lot of places and they in reality were one point away from beating Northwestern and being in the Big Ten championship against Ohio State so um, for Michigan who is two and four and at pretty much the bottom of the Big Ten East um, it's really going to be not a great game for Michigan. So it's not like I'm excited to see Michigan match up against Iowa where the reality of the game will probably be Iowa runs all over Michigan and it shows Mich how just how far Michigan has dropped. And then it creates even more stir about, um, you know, Jim Harbaugh, is he the guy? Are they doing it? Are they not? It's That's going to be the narrative that I see happening on Saturday instead of, seeing Michigan go out and compete against a, a good Big Ten team. Justin, not to digress too far, but, you know, talking about, you know, this week, and, and it fits into it, talking about COVID and Michigan and Iowa and whether the game gets played. Uh, the Pac-12 uh, just uh, a few minutes ago announced that while USC and Washington were supposed to play in the Pac-12 championship game, which is crazy because they've uh, played, what, uh, five games altogether? Uh, this season, I guess the same amount as, as Ohio State. Um, Washington cannot because of COVID uh, issues. And so Oregon is just going to replace them. They're just going to throw a different team uh, out there uh, to play 5-0 and USC. USC, by the way, not getting pretty much any talk mm -hmm. about getting the college football playoff. Uh, so, Justin, coming back to the Iowa and, and Michigan games. So this is how I was told it went down because what you've got here is you've got a couple of games that were originally on the schedule that never got, were never played. Purdue, Indiana, Minnesota, Wisconsin, uh, Michigan State, and Maryland were all games that were originally scheduled to play. All got canceled uh, for COVID reasons. Two of them, Purdue and Indiana and Minnesota and Wisconsin, are rivalry games uh, that, uh, that you're playing. Now, a little bit of me says, well, hell, if you're, if you're going to go out of your way, bend, your, bend over backwards to get these two rivalry games played, you know, why not just like kick the, kick the uh, Big Ten championship game to the side and have Michigan-Ohio State play um, in, this, in this ninth game? And I guess their argument is, hey, we want to have as close to a, of an actual championship as possible. And so you've got Northwestern-Ohio State. But how did Michigan get Iowa? Um, I, told, I was told it was uh, twofold. Uh, largely, Indiana is in a great position, uh, ranked uh, 12th. Uh, right now to to make it into a New Year's New Year's Six bowl game, and by taking on Purdue, uh, especially with Michael Penix Jr. now out for the season, their their starting quarterback, um, it lines up a pretty easy victory for the Hoosiers. Uh, if they can take care of business against their in-state rival, then they finish the season probably tenth and going to a New Year's Six game, which the Big Ten wants a second team in the New Year's Six in addition to Ohio State. Iowa is a little bit of a long shot uh, to get into a New Year's Six game. They're ranked uh, 16th, um, but still a possibility if they were to, you know, they win this game, 
They improved to seven and three on the season. Um, you know, instead of, so essentially what you have is you have two teams that both have a decent shot, Indiana, a better shot to get to the New York six. And they don't want these two teams to play each other and have a worst case scenario where Iowa beats Indiana and knocks Indiana out and Iowa doesn't move up enough to get into the New Year's six. And so the big 10 is left with one New Year's six team and not two New Year's six teams. And so that's that politicking going on. Plus when you look at it, you know, you've got, um, you know, the, the big game of Saturday night uh, is Alabama and Florida in the SEC championship. Well, they need a, a, they need a power team to go up against that and Michigan versus Illinois, not going to do it, but you take a ranked Iowa team and you take the brand that is Michigan and you put that together and you have a chance to steal some of that ratings away from uh, Alabama and Florida. So Justin, knowing a little bit about the, how the sausage was made for this particular game, your reaction to it? Yeah, I think that it's uh, – I, I understand it because in, when it comes down to it, it is all about money, and especially a time where uh, the Big Ten and each school is struggling for money. Um, they're going to go ahead and do – anything they can to get a couple teams in a better bowl position and, uh, and get more ratings for these games. So I get it, but it still just shows that the big 10 has now gone back on their word with everything that they laid out for this season at the beginning of the year. And it, it you know, it just shows how disorganized the big 10 is right now as under commissioner Kevin, Kevin Warren. And so um, I, as much as I understand it, it's like, all right, why did you say all these, why did you put all these protocols or sorry, not protocols, but why did you put all these rules and all this layout here uh, for the season if you were never going to abide by it anyway? Because if you really thought everything was going to just go as planned and the season, everyone was going to play eight games and you were going to figure it all out, then you're crazy. Um, so there was just no chance of that happening. So um, it, it just shows me more about how, badly the Big Ten has uh, has really, you know, organized this and how badly they've done in, a, in a, executing the 2020 season. Um, and so in terms of Michigan's draw, that's a shitty draw. <laughs> um, it turns out really a not great way for Michigan here. Um, but I, I completely get it. I totally, I don't totally understand the, the, the rivalry thing because you're picking and choosing which rivals, I mm -hmm. guess, to have played. Um, and I understand you want big Michigan or you, sorry, you want Ohio state to get into the big 10 championship as well, but it's just kind of odd. And I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know if I see Kevin Warren making it out of this alive uh, after 2020 uh, with a job in the, as the big 10 commissioner, honestly, what do you think? Well, I, I, for Kevin Warren, I think he's got a little more breathing room because Jim Phillips, uh, the great uh, athletic director from Northwestern, who I've been a big fan of the last couple of years, uh, just recently or is about to be named the new commissioner of the ACC. Um, this is when when the opening was there when uh, when Mr. Jeez, um, uh, what is his name? Delaney, Jim Delaney uh, retired from the Big Ten. I thought Jim Phillips was the shoe in. Uh, he didn't get it. Kevin Warren did. It's been a bad first year for Kevin Warren. We'll have to see how he uh, changes his stock in the future seasons if he gets beyond this year. Um, but uh, so that, that probably provides him a little bit of comfort, Justin, is that maybe his main competition is, is now headed out the door and headed to uh, the ACC. But I'm looking at the, you know, in, in terms of this game, 
you know, we'll get much more into it in our Wednesday and Friday podcast, our, our predictions podcast and our, uh, you know, breaking this one down. But I don't know. I feel like I should be intrigued. I feel like I should be like, okay, you know, what does the quarterback look like? They've had a couple of weeks off. Caden McNamara, supposedly that shoulder has been healing up. Maybe Joel Milton's in a better position. Or is it Dan Villari, the true freshman who gets his nod? Uh, you know, maybe the, the coaches have had some time to do some self-scouting and realize, like, like the rest of the world, that Hassan Haskins should be getting the ball 25 times in the running game. Um, maybe they, they have an opportunity here uh, to, to get healthier along the, def- you know, along the defensive line with Quiddy Pay uh, and to get uh, Cam McGrown back and uh, get some of the guys that have been banged up um, back in the fold. Like, maybe those things are all possibilities. And maybe, just maybe, Michigan kind of throws its two and four record out and for one week only plays up to its potential and then goes out there and gives fans something to be excited about um, heading into heading into what is we expect to be an off season. Cause I don't think at the moment, unless Michigan does pull off this big win, I don't think Michigan's getting a bowl berth. So those are all possibilities, but don't you just feel like Justin, like this is just going to be more of the same of what we've seen out of Michigan football this year. And that is, this is going to be another ugly loss where uh, a team, I think this is actually your podcast blue by 90 has been posting the stats. How every team that Michigan has played has had like their best game of the year offensively against Michigan. Um, don't you feel like it's going to be more of the same with, uh, with the same issues with Hassan Haskins, you know, going out there, lighting it up in the first quarter and then disappearing and no one sees him again to the third quarter. Don't you think this can be more of the same with a quarterback situation where even if Caden McNamara is healthy, where they just don't, they just don't get the most out of that position. And guys like Giles Jackson uh, and, and Eric All um, at the tight end spot are where, where they just – we don't really see speed in space. Don't you just think it's going to be more of the same where the secondary gets lit up uh, and, the, and the front seven um, you know, can't stop the run? I mean, that's what I'm expecting when Michigan plays Iowa on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. So I actually think that, um, you know, I, I, I said this before, I thought that not playing Maryland and Ohio State could have possibly saved Jim Harbaugh's job uh, because he wasn't embarrassed on a national level uh, two more times. And I thought that, mm-hmm. you know, every time that they went out there and played terrible and showed up unprepared and all these things that he, uh, it was, you know, more everyone got to see what was going on and it's more pressure on Ward Manuel to say, Hey, this guy is obviously not the guy because he can't get it done week in and week out. So I imagine that it's going to be another one of those, you know, tough game for Michigan. They're they're You know, I don't expect them to win, but still, you know, if they're a 14 point underdog, if they go out and only score 10 points or something and Iowa scores 30 or 40 uh, and, I expect to see Iowa run all over Michigan the same way that Wisconsin did and rack up somewhere in the 200 to 300 rushing yards uh, on Saturday because that's their, they've been rolling on the, on the ground. And Michigan's defense, especially in the front seven, is still banged up and still not playing well. So if they show that, it's just going to be bad news for Harbaugh. So how is that going to look when, they, when they're embarrassed again, if that's the case, and then the next week, finally, when Ward Manuel and Jim Harbaugh visit the contract situation and they possibly extend him after that, you know, it's just going to be a weird situation there. And, yeah, I, 
there's no reason to, to believe that Michigan is going to improve all of a sudden in this last game against a really good Iowa team. I don't believe that they're going to show that they've made any improvements on either side of the ball, really. Um, I, I will say I think that the defense has improved a little bit over in terms of the, the secondary, um, but the front seven has gotten worse and worse each week. Um, and so now Zach Carpenter's transferred uh, on the offensive line. I have no idea about Jalen Mayfield and Ryan Hayes. So give, you know, your insight if you have mm-hmm. any there. Um, but it'll be interesting. It, it, it's just, I don't see how this game goes well for Michigan in, in really any facet of the game. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know about Jalen Mayfield and Ryan Hayes. Goodness. It's, we've been so out of it for, for two and a half weeks here that I haven't even thought about the guys that were really, uh, you know, who was playing well, who wasn't playing well, who was injured, who, who isn't injured. Um, it, it's, it's kind of crazy to think about that, that, uh, you know, and, and, and that's thankfully why we'll get a little bit more into it uh, coming up uh, later this week. But, and I mean, that was, that was, I hate to say it, Justin, but I think you just depressed me a little bit. I mean, <laughs> instead of, instead of being focused on, on, you know, maybe the, the plus of this game. Now I'm looking at the, now I'm looking at the schedule and I'm like, okay, well, USC and, and Oregon played 8 PM and, uh, and Michigan state, Maryland played seven 30 and, uh, the uh, Alabama Florida game is at 8 p.m. So maybe what I'll do is just watch the first quarter of Michigan and then turn on to the other games. But I, I agree with you on this uh, respect. I mean, if you played Maryland and, and, and Ohio State, and especially Ohio State, and you lost in the way that people were expecting, you know, it, it's I just don't think there was any way possible that a Jim Harbaugh contract extension would have been received with with one iota of positivity from this fan base. And I think what's happened in the last two weeks is the conversation has moved away from should they resign Jim Harbaugh um, and should they get rid of him to kind of like, why the hell haven't they done anything yet? So it it shifted the, it shifted the, the conversation piece a little from, you know, so it's not as focused on Jim Harbaugh's negatives as much as it's focused a lot on, honestly, on Ward Manuel, whether that's fair or not. Uh, and, and on how just this, how bad this makes Michigan look that they don't have a contract extension signed. Now you're coming back to this place where they've got a football game to go. And if, and if it goes, you know, goes down the way against Iowa that we expected to, and then you announce a contract extension the week later, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's back to this this camera. Then it, then it's the discussion of why is this guy getting another year? Why is this guy getting year seven? Why is this guy getting year eight, year nine, year ten? I I don't know. I've been I don't know about you, but like I've been trying to stay out of like the daily rumor mill because I feel like it changes no matter who, depending on who you're listening to, and depending what day it is. Um, there's so many conflict uh, conflicting reports out there, so I'm a little bit less interested in what's you know, what's happening day to day. And just like, give me the result here. Like, let me, let me know what the deal is here so that I can comment on it and I can have some thoughts on it. I'll tell you, I don't want to see Jim Harbaugh get a contract extension. I don't want to see Jim Harbaugh be the coach at Michigan in 2021. I'm ready to, I'm ready to, um, you know, wipe it all clean and start over again, knowing that starting all over again is no guarantee of success, but Right now, what I do know is that this isn't working, and the idea that Jim Harbaugh is ever going to lead this program to not even to like the level of, of 
champ, you know, of, of going to the playoff and stuff like that. But just believe that Jim Harbaugh is going to lead this program uh, back to where he had it in 2015, 16, where he was winning 10 games and had some promise at least going into the, the postseason, into the bowl season. Like, I don't know that he gets it back to that. Yeah, I, it doesn't seem like it. Just the, the trend is completely downwards, right? There has not been a, a trend up since 2018, since before that Michigan-Ohio State game. Pretty much everything since then has trended in the negative direction. You know, 2019, they had some some good wins, but at um, at, at some point, uh, it's it's you have to right the ship and it seems to me like from from people I've talked to that are in the players ears and things like that he's lost he has lost the locker room and I hate to use that term because it's so that can mean so many different things and but um, it seems like he doesn't have the players trust he can't get them uh, you know the enthusiasm to the enthusiasm that they were even to I think back to Michigan, Michigan State last year when Michigan dominates by 34 points and you see them in the locker room uh, after the game and Jim's leading them in the victors and they're saying, it's great to be a Michigan Wolverine and all that. And, and it, how far from that do we, do we seem? You know, it just seems like there is nothing there anymore of substance that, this, uh, that Jim Harbaugh is – that shows that Jim Harbaugh is the guy that can do this. And so um, I think when just the way that Jim Harbaugh is, it's tough to, uh, he wears on you, right? We talked about this in the last podcast too. And so I think when things go, go badly, then he uh, can become that guy that uh, is a little annoying when you try to, Mm -hmm. when he tries to get people uh, riled up or get people going instead of the, you know, uh, the guys that can really turn things around quickly. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting, but I, I just don't see that. I, I think it's too, a little too, too little too late, right, for this. And I think the, the whole fan base is ready to move on. I think not – I wouldn't say the f- whole fan base. I think it's about 75% of the fan base. And, mm-hmm. But uh, the 25% of that, don't, that aren't ready to move on from Harbaugh, I don't know if I believe that they think that – Harbaugh is the guy, but they're just more scared that of a, of a Brady Hoke Richrod situation, right? So even when I say 75% is ready to move on and there's a 25% that want to keep Harbaugh, I don't believe that that 25% thinks that Jim is the guy that's going to turn things around. They're just scared of it going even worse. You know, you're making a great point because um, there's quite a few people that, uh, you know, tweet at me. And most of them that are critical of my opinion that Jim Harbaugh is not the guy never actually say, Hey, Jim is going to do it because I believe Jim can, you know, Jim's a great coach or Jim's a great motivator or Jim's a great developer of talent or Jim's a great recruiter or Jim is still as a culture. Almost every single one is like, well, who are you going to get? Or you think Matt Campbell's any better? He's not a guaranteed success or what you're going to go hire a coordinator. Or, I mean, it's, it's all about like, you're not going to get a bigger name than Jim Harbaugh. Like no one actually, it reminds me a little bit of politics. One of my biggest, um, one of the things I can't stand about politics the most is when people vote for a leader because they dislike the other person and they can never see themselves voting for that person. And I had this conversation and I won't get into like who we voted for and the whole thing, but I had a conversation with my 
uh, my mother back in late October before the election. And I said, hey, can you give me like two things that you really like about your guy? And she, the first one was that he wasn't the other guy. <laughs> and I said, that's not what I'm talking about. Like, tell me what you like about your person you're voting for president. And she said, well, tell me about your person. And I said like five things that I liked about my person. And, and so she just repeated, she's like, well, you know, those things you just said, like, that's what I like about my guys. He's not going to do that. And I'm like, but again, like you can't make an art, like, so just, if you're going to make an argument for Jim Harbaugh, make an argument for Jim Harbaugh and tell me why you like think that he is the, he is the guy who leads this program of championships. Stop making an argument that is about everybody else besides Jim Harbaugh. I, I'm, I'm with you, Justin, hundred percent on that. Like, if you don't have anything that you can tell me why Jim Harbaugh is the guy, then you don't have an argument for Jim Harbaugh. hundred percent. And I think that uh, I, I agree with you. You said this in the past uh, that you don't believe that moving on from Jim Harbaugh means that we're going to go into a three or four year lull, right? It doesn't have to mean that. Maybe it means that if things don't go well, but uh, there are a lot of coaches out there that have came in and won right away. Right. So if Matt Campbell or Luke Fickle or, you know, write your name in there of, of who it's going to be um, can come in. Michigan has has the ability to give them every resource possible to turn. You don't even have to turn things around. It's there. The, the, the base is there. Right. Yes. I think 2020 went badly. That's no secret. That's you know, that's not a crazy statement. Um, but it was an anomaly. Michigan still under Harbaugh has been at the eight and four, nine and three, you know, 10 and three level. Um, but it's uh, so, so the base is there, but they need somebody else to come in and say, let's take this base and make a few tweaks to the offense, to the culture, to everything else. And that may be the thing that puts us over the edge to maybe beat Ohio state. I, I think most Michigan fans will be okay one out of every five years at this point to beat Ohio State, right? Uh, or even one every three or four. So it's not like you have to come in and right away beat Ohio State every every year, even every other year. Uh, Michigan fans will take a win in the first three years at this point because Arbaugh hasn't done it in his first six. So um, it, it's not like this. Uh, I agree with you. It's not like this crazy, um, this crazy, crazy change, and you have to flip the whole thing on its head. Um, but there needs to be somebody else who thinks that, uh, who we think that can come in, change a few things, change the culture, and get things uh, onto a, a better path here. Yeah, I think it's just mic drop. You got the big mic in front of you. People there can't you see go. it. But I think it's just mic drop. I'm just done. I, I don't have anything else to say. Like you just. You just hit it out of the park there. Home run. Uh, if you were my, one of my students, Justin, and thank God you weren't, um, <laughs> I would have given you a, a, a 38 out of 40 for that, for that uh, commentary right there. So perfect. I'll um, take that. That was a better grade than I've ever gotten in school. Well, so. I mean, I'm, you know what? I'm looking through my grades right now. I've got like a third of my class left to do for their finals. And like most kids, I think it's like 70% of my kids are pulling off a, a B or an A. So maybe I'm an easy grader. Or, or is it you're a great teacher? We can say that. I'll, I'll give you, I don't give you many compliments here, but I'll, I'll try to give you one here. Well, I think I created both a midterm and a final, which make up most of the class credit. I think I presented both of those in ways that I don't want to say are easy A's, but they're really, they're really interesting projects, including this one, which was their final was to do a podcast on a sports subject that mattered the most to them and interview an expert. And 
to their credit, I mean, you know, Tommy Amaker, John Beeline, Phil uh, Martelli, Jennifer Hammond, um, some of the people they've talked to, Jim Herman, former Michigan defensive coordinator, uh, someone tracked down Rich Rodriguez. I mean, wow. you know, like they're, they've been doing, they, they've been doing really some interesting stuff, national uh, uh, name, image, and likeness uh, conversation pieces and talked to Cody White uh, from Michigan, former Michigan state wide receiver who could have benefited. So like they've done a really good job. So I'm really happy with, uh, with it. And um, yeah, so thanks to my students and you just, you just killed that one. Thanks to our great sponsors, Kaepernick Insurance Group and Frankenmuth Insurance, uh, Wolverine State Brewing Company, uh, Weber's Hotel and Restaurant, Lewis Jewelers, we'll hear from later on this week. Uh, and speaking of sponsors, a special message uh, from uh, one of the all-time great Michigan fans and a guy who is synonymous with uh, uh, business here in Ann Arbor. Uh, looking forward to our interview with uh, Jim Wanty of O&W Beverage. Uh, I do want to introduce uh, our, uh, our, our guest, our special guest for today, um, the uh, longtime owner of O&W Beverage, O&W Incorporated here in Ann Arbor, uh, a big-time beer distributor uh, in the area, a proud supporter for a long time. That's how I got to know him, of WTKA, <laughs> and then Jim Wanty. Jim, thanks very much for joining us here today. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it, Mike. Well, Jim, before we get into talking football recruiting, because you're a gigantic football recruiting fan and you, I don't know, do you listen to every single one of Sam's um, football recruiting updates? Because he does it every single day, five days a week on WTK's The Michigan Insider. Well, thank goodness for the uh, podcast is recorded because I used to come in and work at the crack of dawn, but at my age, I get to come in whenever I want. So I listen to the podcast when I get in, but I also read all the stuff on Twitter too, which uh, keeps me connected. Well, we'll talk about that in a second because that's on Wednesday this week, Michigan's uh, well, National Signing Day. Uh, and Michigan right now has a very good recruiting class. Um, if they can keep most of these guys uh, in place, um, they will you know, sign a, a top 15 class, including uh, five-star quarterback J.J. McCarthy. But, but Jim, tell us about uh, O&W Beverage because this is a, a business that uh, um, I, I believe uh, you are the – if I know correctly, I think you're the third generation, right? And your daughters are the fourth no. generation. Is that you, get, you got you got one more in there. I'm the fourth, and they're the fifth. So my uh, oh okay. So my great grandfather, uh, back in around 1917, um, bought the uh, Union Bar, which was now the the town bar. It's, it's still there, and uh, he bought that bar before Prohibition. <clears throat> kept it all through Prohibition. During Prohibition, he used to haul kegs of Stroh's non-alcoholic beer and birch beer, which is a root beer. Um, and he'd haul uh, semi or truckloads out and distribute them around to Ann Arbor. So at the end of Prohibition um, in 1933, uh, Stroh said, would you like to be a distributor? And he said, well, I'll tell you what, I have a son-in-law that needs a job and let's make him a distributor. I'm going to hang on to the bar. So he hung on to the bar until about 1936. Then my grandfather sort of officially started O&W um, in 1933 at the end of Prohibition. From there, um, my father joined the company. After, <laughs> I love this. After getting his uh, master's in mechanical engineering from the University of Michigan, he became a beer distributor with my, with my grandfather. <laughs> and. Uh, that was in 1948. <clears throat> then I came along shortly thereafter. Um, I started with my dad and my grandfather in 1966, but that was when I was in high school 
and I worked all summers and school breaks all through college. And then when I graduated from college, I came to work for my dad in uh, January 72. So then uh, about 20 years ago, my oldest daughter, Kit, joined the company. And about 10 years ago, my second daughter, my third daughter, uh, joined the company with O&W. And so now my two daughters, two of my three daughters are working here. And since then, and also my brother's been with the company, don't wanna leave him out. Uh, and his, uh, his two kids are now working at the company. So they're part, those four kids are part of the uh, fifth generation at O&W. And it's pretty miraculous to get beyond the third generation of any business, but uh, we're trying to keep this baby rolling and, and we've, it's been very good to our family and hopefully we've been very kind to the community back. Well, I mean, that's something, Jim, that really stands out to me is, is you know, each generation uh, that has that has carried on this uh, this legacy of O&W, um, not only has carried on the family legacy, but has been uh, part of the community. And and for most of it has been associated with the University of Michigan and Michigan Athletics, too. And um, so why has that been important to you, been important, important to O&W and certainly uh, important to the next generation of leaders at O&W? Well, I mean, it's important for several reasons. Uh, first, my parents, both my parents went to Michigan. Um, I was always, I grew up, we grew up on uh, Shadford at the top of the hill, and we played football as kids in the backyard all day long. And uh, with the wind was blowing right, we could hear the Michigan Marching Band practicing, getting ready for football Saturdays. Then I started going to the games um, when I was a Boy Scout. We used to usher back in the day, and we ushered each, we had Boy Scouts in each row. Back then, there were only fans between the 20-yard lines on uh, two, uh, two side zones. But so I became a huge fan. I went to every game, ushered every game. And then the miraculous thing came when the uh, dollar ticket, high school tickets came out. That was great because I put myself through junior high because I'd buy them for a buck and sell them for three. And then I'd <laughs> sneak in the stadium myself on one of those cheap tickets. So that's how I funded myself through uh, junior high school. And then in high school, I just loved going to the games, um, you know, just scalping tickets. And then I finally got my own season tickets in 1977. You know, I have some friends that, uh, that are a little bit older than me that uh, will tell me stories about how they used to sneak into Michigan Stadium back in the day. And I, I can't even fathom that because of the security and everything surrounding that now. So it's kind of a wild thing to think about. Well, it's funny the 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 gentleman that sold me the dollar tickets, he, his, uh, he was a dad of good friends of mine. And he goes, Jim, what are you going to do with these tickets? You're going to scalp them. I know you are. I said, Mr. Wilkins, I'm not going to do that. Trust me, I won't do that. <laughs> but I did. <laughs> so, uh, so people, somehow they bought the $3 tickets. They got in the stadium. Showed their, They had to supposedly show their student ID, but somehow they got in. But heck, the end zones were empty back then. And... Uh, I used to go with my friends' parents and my dad's, and we, they used to sit there and drink beer in the end zone, and we could run around all over the football stadium. It was great back in those days. Jim, I think one of the interesting things about your business, too, is that you're not a um, – because of what you do, because of being a distributor, you're not a front and center. And so a lot of people may not know about you because they're not going into the, the bar or the brewery and asking for an O&W beer. Um, but you're the one who is supplying uh, so many, connecting so many of the breweries, so many uh, of the big beer companies, and bringing that product to uh, the bars and the restaurants. So chances are, 
anybody that's ever gone out and had a drink in Ann Arbor has probably drank a beer that you provided to that restaurant, but they may not know who you are. Absolutely. Well, and there's a reason, you know, um, we talk about how do we market our product? And I've always been a firm believer in that we market our product and not O&W. We're not here to sell O&W. We're here to sell Miller Lite, Molson, Labatt, Blue Moon, you know, Heineken, Corona, whatever we, all those products we distribute. So I've always been a firm believer in, you know, putting those names way before our names. But you're right. People don't know, you know, people go, who's O&W? What's an O&W? And what do they do? But we're the ones with the trucks driving around delivering the beer to all the grocery stores and the gas stations and convenience stores and not right now, but all the restaurants and taverns in town. Yeah. And you guys do a great job. And, uh, I know so many, uh, so many businesses that, that use O and W, uh, because of just how reliable, uh, and just how you guys do everything in first in first class. And so, um, thank you. you know, thank you. Just, uh, yeah. Congrats to, to running a great business and, and let's talk some football recruiting. You're pretty excited. So I got to admit that if anybody on this podcast, you, me, or Justin, is going to be an expert on Michigan's football recruiting class this year, it's going to be you, Jim. Because <laughs> I, don't, I don't generally pay that much attention until signing day because I, get, I don't want to get so worked up about the kids that, like, commit and decommit or all that different stuff. So you tell me, you give me your 411. What do you like about this class from listening to Sam and from doing all your own research? Well, I, I mean, obviously, first of all, J.J. McCarthy is, is the number one kid in the class, and I'm so excited to see him come in. He's, I mean, he's a hardball recruit. Um, and I don't know if, you know, Jim's had kids come and go and transfer in and transfer out, and it's, it'll be fun to see a kid start and finish, hopefully, with Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> and but it's just um, I you know I hate all this negative recruiting out there where other coaches or recruiters are telling these kids oh who knows if Harbaugh is going to be there um, and you know maybe you should just consider us and uh, come to our school and don't bother signing with Michigan but I think if this class can stay together it's going to be a great class um, I mean all these rumors I hear about some off present offensive linemen they're transferring out I just I cannot believe it. Um, I mean, Zach Carpenter, I cannot believe it when I read that the other day. Here, the kid's starting. Why does he want to go somewhere else, you know? And, um, and with his class coming in, it's going to make everything stronger at the football program. So I wanted to ask you, too, uh, about this class and um, if you see most of them sticking with Michigan. I've seen a lot of them on Twitter already coming out and other social media and saying, can't wait to sign on Wednesday, even, you know, mm -hmm even through all the, the everything going on with Harbaugh, um, but it sounds like Jim has uh, reached out to everybody in this class and a lot of them are still sticking with him. Um, and then also get your take on Donovan Edwards, who um, it sounds like Michigan has a really good chance with. He's the number one running back in the nation. And um, I think that would be a, a really big get for Harbaugh and for this program uh, to kind of put them over the edge, probably move them up to maybe seventh or sixth, maybe fifth in the nation in terms of, uh, of their recruiting class for 2021. I mean, there's a couple of kids that are on the, on the teeter-totter right now. Xavier Worthy seems to be one of them. Um, and, you know, I just, I, I wish it was signing day today. And, and I wish um, Ward Manuel would give a Harbaugh a five-year extension on his contract just to solidify everything. But, um, 
Donovan, I mean, he's a legacy for crying out loud. And uh, I mean, talk about being a hometown hero. I mean, I would not, nothing rather be a local kid going to Michigan, a local school like this, and, and your parents are there watching, your families are watching you, and your friends are there watching you. I mean, what a beautiful opportunity to be the stud at Michigan. So I, I, all I, everything I've read and heard, he's leaning towards Michigan real hard, and uh, I got to believe he's got his own man's in his ear about it too. Well, let me, let's, let's finish here, Jim. I want to ask you, so when it comes to signing day on Wednesday, how will you watch it? Will you, I mean, will you be following Sam on Twitter, listening to the radio? Like, will you be, will you be living it for, you know, whatever it is, four or five straight hours every minute until these kids sign their letters of intent? Or do you just sit back and wait till about three o'clock in the afternoon when Michigan announces its class? Well, the irony nowadays is there's so much mobile media that I get a text. I mean, I'm, I'm on four or five different recruiting services right now, and I get a text every time something happens. I mean, if, you know, Harbaugh gets a pimple on the end of his nose, my God, I get five texts about it. <laughs> and uh, so I can just sit here and look at my phone and bling, 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 bling. I know when every kid signs, when it comes through the fax machine, and uh, if they still do that. <laughs> and uh, so I know everything is going on at all times. But I do listen to Sam quite a bit. He's, he's a great, yeah. he's got a great line to that whole system of recruiting. Yeah, he is, uh, he is the best in the business uh, in the Ann Arbor market, that's for sure. And uh, yep. it's an honor to have called him a colleague for four and a half years and uh, honor to call him a friend. Uh, and so I uh, really appreciate everything that Sam does. And uh, Jim, wish you the best of luck. I hope that uh, you enjoy your national signing day. And I hope that all of us enjoy uh, the Michigan football game and certainly some more Michigan basketball. And uh, say hello to your, your daughters, Kit and Jamie. Uh, especially to, to, to Jamie for, for organizing this, uh, this, you know, you appearing on the podcast. Um, and, uh, yeah, the next time I pick up a beer, I'll think to myself, <laughs> this is an O&W beer, even when it says Molson on it. That's, well, that's good. That's okay. Molson's good. So, <laughs> Michael, thank you very much for having me on. I always appreciate it. I can always talk about Michigan sports. And, Justin, thanks for talking with me also. I mean, this is, it's ongoing, and it, it's, right now through this pandemic, it sort of keeps your mind focused and thinking about things and uh, it's something new every day so good luck to you both you guys stay healthy and have a beer thank you <laughs> thanks thank guys you. yep this is the stadium and main podcast presented by Kapnick insurance group wolverine state brewing company and lewis jewelers